Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by the other host, David Russell. How you doing? Hey, buddy. How you doing? It's been a while. Never better. Never better. Uh, starting the show off with a lie. Um, great. Maybe we can find some <laughs> honesty in our topic. Um, I'm uh, going to get right to it. I think that um, we're going to end... This is going to be disappointing to a lot of people. We're going to end the... Um, series on sexuality here uh we haven't been able so far to get together the um special interview uh that we had uh lined up for uh a a special guest who is a trans person and someone who's going through that and so we wanted to talk about uh non-binary sexuality and gender fluidity and uh, we wanted to have some representation there and if that does come together at some time we'll drop it in uh during the summer and uh, we'll make that a summer special uh and uh i had hoped to have a, a panel of uh two or three uh other christians participating and uh that has not happened for it or so if that happens that will also be dropped in uh as a summer special uh so uh Brian with a Y, uh, you've got the series off. We're gonna we're gonna cut it off right here. Um, you will be called in <laughs> for duty, I think, uh, in the in the last uh, brief series on Satan, God of this world. Um, but next week, hopefully next week, uh, we will hear from Dale and Val own free will uh i'm really looking forward to that one i guess i should say del val and myself because i will be uh actually joining that uh crew russell you want to you want to pop in and uh um moderate that one so that i don't have to think about uh, yeah. moderation sure well just give me a uh yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. You don't have to. You no don't problem. have to. You don't actually have to do anything. All you have to, and you don't have to know anything either. Um, you're not okay, a moderation good. because you know things. Um, you no. The only thing you have to actually do, and this is important, <laughs> uh, is Dale and Val uh, are both very long-winded, and they can get caught up in ideas that that are all very important. Uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, they need to be sometimes stopped uh asked for clarification and then moved along you know the type you've been there <laughs> you've done it and by the way i have this problem too so since i will be um in the podcast i'm probably not going to be the best one to write uh, heard over it so um i uh i appreciate that if you can uh, do that uh folks you're not going to want to miss that show uh we've had a lot of shows this year that qualify as best show of the year this one is going to be the best show of the year uh so it's not a particularly theological topic it's not a um non-sequitur topic it's a very important philosophical uh topic though and it's going to be great uh i promise so that said uh let's jump uh let's jump right in russell you uh listened to about half the uh show that we did last week right I did just about you get any you get any um thoughts uh before I jump in here I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in uh and talk about a couple of things that came up in the comments uh this week 
But first, uh, did you have any uh, impressions that you wanted to uh, give? Uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, from what I heard, it was it was good. I mean, you guys, I think you just really got started in the first half of the of the show. <laughs> mm, so mm -hmm. you guys are starting to really flesh some ideas out. And, um, you, you know, of course, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but as we go if i if i could think of it i'll uh, i'll bring i'll bring the the topic up if if it rehashes or refreshes my memory but That's i i do remember you guys talking about like theology and and how uh it doesn't work and the sex drive and you know that god god gave us a sex drive okay now it's coming back <laughs> uh the <laughs> You know, it's crazy when you have like such a crazy week, man, your, your mind scrambled. So it's like, you know, whenever you flip the flip, the scramble and it get, things get back. It's like I, I don't remember board, what I know? did yesterday. So right. I, I hear so, you. <laughs> so when you guys were talking about the sex drive and how it was cruel and stuff, I, I think the only thing that I was thinking along those lines was like, uh, you know, sex can be really that sex drive can be actually really harmful if not civilized and put into check. So I wouldn't hold, you know, if if I was a non-skeptic, I would probably have the same idea. Or if I was a non-Christian, I'd probably have the same idea that hey, we have to limit this because it can be harmful and it can drive us crazy. You know, I mean, it, it, it even even it, it and it maybe that's the way god designed it i don't think that's cruel because i do believe that there's some great uh when it's when it's done in its context in the right context or done in that 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 realm of of limits it can be the greatest experience on earth right so uh um and i look at that about anything i mean look at food i mean we have the, we have a very strong drive for food and if we eat or we gorge ourselves you know we end up dying <laughs> you know so it's just there's there's a lot there's a lot there so that's kind of like where my my mind was going so i won't take too much of the mic up on that but well no that's that's fine actually um uh, i agree uh in fact uh we seems like this week in the discussion board no one is looking for areas of mutual agreement <laughs> uh, it's more of a tit-for-tat one-upsmanship kind of um, thing going on on the board, unfortunately, uh, because that doesn't make for particularly good conversations. Makes You're for trying to tell me that sex sells. It does sell. <laughs> <laughs> and arguing on sex sells better. Uh, we we had over 500 comments uh, last night uh, when I looked, and so yeah, my 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 alerts from Discuss have been popping it had been like number one in my email feed for yeah. <laughs> like the last three weeks yeah it blew up um it it, it didn't blow it up good but you know <laughs> it, so you can get a lot of conversation this way but it's just not the conversation that i prefer i think that there there's more useful conversation to be had and so i'm trying to dig uh, i've tried to dig out a couple of threads that i found interesting but there's actually you know if if we stop bickering bickering some agreement that we have so the my my thesis was well part of my thesis was that the sex drive is out of whack with uh human maturity uh and so that's problematic uh the sex drive starts really early and we mature 
uh, our brains mature really late. Uh, so we reach sexual maturity at the, at the front end of our process of maturity. And we reach middle maturity at the back end. And there's, um, you know, like 12 years difference yeah, <laughs> between, between those two states. Yeah, let me ask you this, though. Um, doesn't environment also dictate our maturity in that in that realm you know uh only only now, to a point yeah well because yeah, there's there's the biological thing, right? maturity when it comes to the brain it it really does not fully develop until you're between about 24 and 26 and there's i don't i have not read any expert that it disagrees with that assessment uh, and so 25 is just kind of the, the number people arrive at because the range is sometimes it's a little younger, sometimes it's a little older. Um, so and, would that, would that, would, 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 could that have been different in a different epoch of time? I don't think so. Um, because, now, there's been, there's, there's no evidence that that has ever been different, but what I would, what I would say about the, the different epoch of time theory, which is um, largely a Christian idea. I, once again, I don't know any secularists that would that would have this kind of idea. For, for the Christian, um, the world was different and humans were different, even at a DNA and genetic level. And so one of the differences um, that they would maybe present is that our brains would have developed sooner or, you know, closer in line with our sex drive. And that because of sin in the fall, that's one of the things about human beings that have changed. But we don't actually have any um, non-religious evidence that there was ever such an epoch where humanity was different. Yeah, I just wonder, and, and you know, I'm not going that route or anything. Um, I'm wondering uh, if, if, things like comfort and technology have delayed our our maturity because i think that like 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 okay so you have 13 14 year olds that they were living they were the main care providers of of their family at that time you know they were in the workforce they were doing the adult things that uh we we would consider it, you know because i don't think spans were that long you were considered a man at 12 if you were a jew 12 or 13 yeah, and, and and that's the thing i mean they're living out on their own sometimes you know um married with with kids coming at that age i mean there's something that I me mean, and and like i said i haven't jumped into this research either uh matter of fact i don't even think i've ever seen studies done on ancient on ancient people as far as maturity and stuff goes, I haven't, I haven't even dived into that area. Uh, they probably do exist, but I just, I'd be clueless. But there is something there, I think, to see that there are fully functional adults at 12 and 13 in the society, paying their taxes, doing all that. There's something there that's just kind of, it stands out as, as kind of strange to me. So that's, that's, that's kind of where my wonderment goes. Like, is there, uh, a thing to this as far as maturity goes you well, know is yeah there if you're talking about social factor? if you're talking about social and emotional maturity uh yeah i think that those things can be affected by culture but if you're talking about brain states uh of maturity then no that's set by biology um and so you know we can say 
those guys were mature when they were 12. They were grown men when they were 12. But they, you can't point to a single society where people were considered adults at 12 that you would want to live in. I certainly can't think of a society uh, that where that was the case that I would want to live in. Uh, so I would, I, just I would think look it's at the, because you like, you like your technology. <laughs> well, I do like my technology, but I, uh, I also don't think that at any, in any society that a 12 year old is an actual, uh, fully, um, mature adult person. Once again, biology, biology plays too big of a role. It won't allow it. And so you can say, well, at 12, you get all of those responsibilities. But then you have to ask, well, what kind of society do you really have that's run by 12-year-olds? Um, that's know, not... A lot of the ancient world was like that, though, right? I mean, a lot of the ancient world well, had that in it. And it sure. kind of shaped what we have today. A I lot mean, of I, the... I, I just want to discount it. That's I, I'm not trying to make an argument right. over it. No, I understand, but I'm I'm just saying a lot of the ancient world was a wasteland of uh, disease and war, and uh, frankly, human immaturity. Uh, those yeah, people but would they have built a... the pyramids. You know, I mean, come on. I don't man. know that. There, I don't know that that was stuff. I don't know that that's there's still such a lot a... of good stuff. It got it kind of got us to where we are today. So I, don't look, be such look, a pessimist, look, David. Look at the people don't they had to kill <laughs> to build those pyramids. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Hey, I'm not saying there's not a lot of bad, but I'm not just going to say it was all bad. You know, I, I'm not saying it's all bad either. Today. I'm just saying that it, they don't have a, they didn't run a society that you or I would want to live in. You pr probably. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. You can put 12 year olds uh, in in jobs now. We just have the um, social evolution to realize that that's an abusive situation that shouldn't happen. And I think it, it and was I'm not always it's abusive. Not progress either. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not progress to, to be where we are today. And sure. I think that's uh, figuring out the biology, figuring out what we did wrong. And, and you know, I, of course, I'm all for the progress of, of that. But at that particular time, you know, I just wouldn't discount it. I wouldn't be such a pessimist about it. But you're right. I mean, there's, there's several things that were wrong. Absolutely. Sure. Look, I, I love my parents. Uh, my parents and I live in the same time although we're a different generation. Uh, I can tell you right now, there are ways that my parents raised me that were utterly barbaric and would be <laughs> ill. I, I, I say this uh, with, with love and truth. It was barbaric and it would be illegal today. And if they raised a child like that today, they would be in jail. I would put them in jail myself. I would turn them in. Um, and that's that's from someone who loves them very much. I don't think there's anyone on the planet who loves them more than I do. I would have them put in jail. Um, and I think that's true of a lot of people in my generation. Um, and so we can look back on the time when I was raised and you can say, well, but that behavior, um, you know, corporal punishment, um, that was that was acceptable for that time. Actually, no, it wasn't. My, my argument is it was never good. Yes, it was the norm, but it was never good. It was always child abuse. And so to look back on it romantically and say, but yeah, but look, uh, everybody was raised that way and they turned out okay. No, they didn't. And it was always child abuse. And so we look at, uh, you know, we go back in ancient culture and we look at 
you know, Age of Mary, for instance, is the first issue I, I actually want to uh, jump in real quick because it's uh, grown legs in the comments. You could say, well, you know, they they did things a certain way then, and they were um, married at a young age. That I I would argue it's never actually a good thing for human development. Now it may be a necessary thing, and I would actually I I made the case myself that there are some societies and some situations, depending on how um, backwards, probably not a good word, depending on how undeveloped that culture is, where it might be um, reasonable to uh, marry and have babies at 13. Uh, I actually made that case. And so um, I, I took it from both sides a little bit, and especially Christians. But then again, when the Christians were faced with you know, explaining certain realities, they would turn around and make the same argument. Well, you know, but that was uh, fine for that time. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just saying that in a, if we're dealing with evolution, with social evolution and nothing else, then yes, I can look back on those times and be generous and say, I can understand it. I, I, I don't like it, but I can understand it. But if we're looking at those times in inserting a God into the picture and saying that God engineered the human situation to be this way, then I would say that we, we have a problem uh, because then you have some options besides, um, you know, children getting married and having babies that in, in you, a God could say that that's wrong. A God could engineer a better society. Um, a God could, uh, for instance, make sure that the average life expectancy uh was longer than 35 or 40 years old um these but so yeah the moment you insert a god in it it's a problem and if you don't insert a god in it i can understand it but i still don't like it <laughs> right so um i want to be i just want to be clear about that and when it comes to the age of mary i did i did some research i I've done this research before. I keep coming up with the same answers. I'm not going to go back and read um, uh, excerpts from that like I uh, had planned to do, but I'll, I'll put a, throw a couple of links in the comments uh, when I post the show. And uh, everything that I can find from scholars, one of the links I have has a, a bunch of scholarly sources attached to it, says that uh, the age, the general age for betrothal in uh, Palestine at that time was between 12 and 12 and a half. And that betrothal lasted about a year uh, for the, before the marriage was fully official. And so we're, it, the idea was that women would start having babies about 13. Um, we also know from historical sources that uh, the Jews uh, codified uh, the age of 12 as the uh, low age for uh, marriage sometime after the New Testament. But that suggests that the age was actually lower. <laughs> um, so it, when, when someone like me says that Mary would have been about... Uh, 12 when approached by the angel maybe about 13 when she had jesus but the time of the birth actually is less important to me than when she was approached by the angel um when she was when she was made pregnant as it were uh 
that's too young. I, I just think that's too young. I think that's too young. And what, what I would rather have seen this God do was to form Jesus from the dust of the earth, like he formed Adam. Um, and he could have said, here, I've got a pure human. Or if he needed to go through some uh, quasi-sexual process, he could have uh, approached an old woman uh, who was uh, wise in the ways of the world and who could um, make uh, consent-worthy decisions. But now what we have is a situation where Christians are having to uh, kind of say, well, maybe Mary wasn't a quote-unquote consenting adult, but she was definitely consenting and she was uh, happy to have that privilege uh, given to her. But I would also say that the 12 and 13 year old girls that are uh, sexually, we call it abused uh, by certain Mormon and other cults. We don't, we don't think that that's consent just because the girls were happy to do it and consider themselves privileged. That's a bad argument. That's a terrible argument. No one should make that argument that it was okay to impregnate Mary. She wasn't even asked. She was told what had been done to her. Um, and that, that's somehow okay at that age in that anything that she said after that would, con would be consent because we wouldn't consider that consent today. Even if the person was 15, we wouldn't consider it consent. At 12, 12 and a half, there's no way. There's no way. Uh, so I, I think it's a bad story. And if if Christians want to come at me on suggesting that, you know, the biological age should be overcome and that there should be other factors that we consider uh, before we uh, uh, look at age of consent, uh, I, I, I guess come at me. Don't, don't make bad, disingenuous arguments. And for the record, I think 16 is probably a pretty good age. Uh, a lot of the states in the United States uh, have kind of landed on that age. Some of them have it younger. Some of them have it older. But the Christian doesn't actually, this all this conversation about consent is meaningless to the Christian, in my experience, and uh, in this week of reading the posts. And the reason is because Christians don't believe that there should be sex before marriage. And so the real age is irrelevant. It's just when a person gets married. And to the extent that the law gives ages for when a person can get married, that's the only age that the Christian really cares about. And so this is where there's actual difference that should be discussed between the Christian and the atheist is uh, why, why is marriage the limit uh, for having sex? Uh, because I, I would argue that if you physically mature at 13 um, and you're waiting to get married, there's a lot of biological pressure for you to get married as young as possible. We get a lot of 16-year-old marriages in Christian states. Uh, if you wait to 18, uh, I still think that's problematic because it's too young. Uh, for marriage. And we're finding that people who marry a little bit later, say after they finish their education, uh, have a much better chance uh, at successful marriages and such. Uh, but the Christian isn't worried about that because they have made sexuality kind of the linchpin to marriage. And they've said, you can't do it 
until you get married. And so there's all this pressure to marry way too soon. And this possibly explains some of the high, in some statistics, higher levels of divorce among Christians and lower ages of marriage among Christians. And so I think that there are real social problems when you uh, put it that late. And I think that some of those problems are slightly eliminated when you take the taboo off of sexuality, make it at about 16, and start teaching your kids between 13 and 16 um, that sex is okay. You can, you can have sex when you're 16 uh, as well as you can drive when you're 16. Uh, but we're going to start teaching you about uh, th the seriousness of it now so that when you're 16, you have some foundation to be able to, to do it. Now, that's, that's kind of the place I would go. That's the conversation that I would like to have with uh, Christians. But, they, but we know that Christians are, no, marriage is, marriage is the age and everything below that um, that I didn't want to talk about. So, um, sure. And that, that gets us into purity culture, which is something that we would have talked about if we had had a, a panel, but we... Um, we didn't we didn't get that so maybe we can have some of that conversation um in the chat russell i noticed uh that your video is off there and i was going to give you a chance to um give your tag on that but when you get back uh you can so the other thing um Actually, those, uh, I had two things that I want to talk about uh, in the comments. One of them was age. Oh, yeah. So the other thing uh, in the comments uh, that came up that I want to talk about, uh, this was uh, largely from Mac Attack. Uh, so, Mac, how are you doing? Um, it's the idea that skeptics... Oh, how are you doing, Russell? Did you want to comment on any of that... Um, uh, that I talked about age of uh, consent, uh, 16, 18, marriage, purity culture. Did you have anything to say about that? Oh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> so purity culture, yeah, I've dealt with, obviously, you know. Uh, and it's so strange that that whole, uh, the whole I kiss dating goodbye scene uh, actually kind of eroded itself. You know, I don't. It's kind of weird, but um, I, you, you know, as far as me, I never got pushed or, and this was even when I was part of a very charismatic uh, word of faith, you know, Pentecostal type movement where they pushed uh, other things, but they never pushed an age to get married as, you know, they never pushed the younger people to get married. Um, maybe they did for some people, but I never experienced that for myself on a, on a wide scale um now i'm sure it happens I, I don't know um but as far as mary goes historically uh you know everything i've read was she would have been 15 or 16 when she had jesus um because the betrothal is not the marriage so uh betrothals don't just last a year they can last years um so i i don't i don't see too much evidence on that uh there is in the evangelicum of james uh, uh a reference before the second century that she was uh 14 before she was betrothed which would put uh her at 16 when she had jesus um but that's the earliest that i could see on that but um yeah so i 
that, that's pretty much all I had that was just rustling off the top of my head. Sure. When, when uh, look, I'll be glad to include some sources there, but um, to get to get to an age as high as 16, there has to be a, a little bit of special pleading uh, for the person making that case. Because if we just look at uh, what we know from history and the culture and the uh, culture shortly after that, uh, we know what the average age was. And so what a you'd betrayal, have to say, yeah, betrothal of 12 years well, of age, betray, no consummation of the marriage through ceremony and physical intimacy would not happen until they were legally married many months or even years later. Okay. Betrothal and it, marriage. It, it we, we, but we, we know, but we know those, those variations. And that's what I'm saying. This is not something that we have to speculate on. So even though the Bible doesn't tell us Mary's specific age, we know what the average That's was. That's what I'm telling you. The, the, some of the, what I'm saying is the earliest uh, uh, Christian source that we have is that she was betrothed at 14, evangelical, <laughs> evangelicum of James. I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not looking at Christian sources. I'm just looking oh, at sources. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking, well, I'm mean, looking at academic sources. You got You got to ignore, you can't ignore the Christian sources. This is history. This is historical documents that, that are out there. Now you don't have to buy them. That's fine. Uh, but we do have reference of her being 14 um, before she was betrothed. And that's a historical document that came out before the second century. So I, I you, you know, okay. So, and that's fine. We can, but that was, like I said, I'm not, I'm not in for the argument on that one because I don't hold that the evangelical of James is canon or anything, but. Right. So, uh, uh, so this, the sources that I am uh, referring source. to, I will include my sources and those sources themselves have many academic sources in them. Uh, and if you want to drop something in the comments uh, uh, about the Evangelicum of James, knock yourself out. People can uh, look at the experts and choose their champions. You, but you we, know what? We... I, it's just easier to say here, David, that you could just look up uh, a simple Google search on the presentation of Mary. And that's all you have to uh, uh, look up. Um, it is an apocryphal account, but it's a historical document and it's really cool to read read them anyway so I, I of course that's because i'm a history nerd so <laughs> sure well i'm not i'm not a history nerd but i when i am when i am talking about history i do try to find the the best sources for the the best data that we have and um the best unbiased sources for the data in that region uh experts seem to be fairly consistent on so uh, you can you can look at the sources, you can click on them, uh, or you not look at them. But uh, that's I mean that's the other thing that Christians can do is just say, well, now Mary was much older than that, uh, and kind of close the book on it. When I was a Christian, I would have said, ah, Mary was much older than that. But that wasn't that wouldn't have been from any um, study on the subject. It would have been from the idea that God wouldn't possibly approach a twelve or thirteen year old with something like this. Um, so it, that that would have been my argumentation. It would have been bad. It would have been uh, strictly from ignorance. And when I did start um, hearing this as an issue um, and started looking into it, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty troubled by it. But that said, um, you know, people people look at the sources, make decisions for themselves. Neither Russell or I uh, nor experts. All we can do is cite experts, and so you can see. Uh, who we cite and um, 
you know, make your make your conclusions from there. The other uh, major uh, line of argumentation in the comments uh, this week was uh, whether a moral subjectivist had anything useful to say on the moral issue of things like human sexuality in the first place. I mean, if if I propose an opinion on human sexuality, why should anyone listen to me? I, I'm not I'm not citing any objective moral truth on the subject. I'm simply cite by my own admission, I'm simply citing a subjective moral truth on the subject. And so therefore the Christian has the right to just ignore anything and everything that an atheist would say on the subject. This is a stupid argument. I'm sorry. I'm usually um, a little more tactful, but this is, so this is off the reservation even for, for me. I recognize it's rude to say this. But it's the comments that have been in that vein have also been rude. And so I feel like anyone who has been in the comment section will forgive my um, the strength of my language when I say that is an utterly batshit crazy argument. And I just want to I want to give a couple of reasons why not only the argument shouldn't be taken seriously. Uh, it's it's disingenuous. Uh, so first of all, nobody thinks this way. Uh, nobody thinks this way in real life. The only time anyone thinks this way is if it's a religious argument and you've got a Christian in the argument and they're losing the argument by some other means. If a Christian can win the argument um, by uh, secular rules, as it were, they'll do it that way. Uh, if they can win the argument by making a better subjective case, they'll do it that way. <laughs> but they they tend to go to, well, your argument's not uh, uh, objective and mine is, so I win. Uh, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Bye. Uh, th that's when you see that largely. Um, it's, but in their real lives, Christians don't act this way. I know Christians, <laughs> all right? I've been around Christians all my life. This is not actually how they think and behave in any other situation so just as a just as an example uh let's say that uh you know uh two uh you know two atheists and two christians were uh getting together they were at a uh at the beach you know swimming surfing playing volleyball having a good time uh hunting seashells whatever uh friends do at beaches i i'm not a big fan of beaches beaches are stupid um <laughs> that's fine come at me <laughs> I'm okay with that. I I don't like beaches. Um, so uh, they're doing the, they're doing their beach activities. I've been to lots of beaches, folks. Okay, um, and there's some emergency. None of these none of these people are experts in whatever the emergency is, but there is an emergency that calls for action, and they have to very quickly, in a, in a time compressed way, have to figure out what to do because if they do nothing it's disastrous. So they've got to do something and none of them are experts. None of them has any authority. And so they very quickly express their opinions about what to do. And you have to negotiate that opinion very quickly. You have to form a consensus very quickly so that you can act as a group uh, with one accord and avert this disaster. 
no one is going to say, yeah, well, I don't have to listen to you because that's not an objective uh, moral action. That, that's not how life works at all. Uh, no one thinks that way. Of course, our opinions are subjective. And in fact, some of their, our opinions are subjective just of a moment that we haven't even had time to think through. But we still have to act. Uh, and maybe later on later reflection, uh, maybe we got it wrong. Maybe on later reflection, we got it right. But we have to act and we don't pretend like because we don't have some objective moral truth that we can't uh, negotiate a course of action uh, to avert uh, some kind of disaster. Of course we can. We do it every day. We do it all day. Uh, so as an argument, that simply doesn't fly. Why should anyone listen to me uh, when I say that uh, you should not murder someone? Uh, I'll be right there. I'm on a roll now. I gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta roll. I gotta roll down slow. Okay. <laughs> why, why should anyone listen to me if I say you shouldn't murder someone? And maybe I give five or six really good subjective reasons why you shouldn't do it. And you say, well, I don't have to listen to you because none of that's subjective. So I'm gonna go murder someone. You are the one with a problem, <laughs> not me. Um, there's more to that, but I, I, I will allow myself to be uh, uh, stopped here. It's hard to stop a train. Go ahead, David. <laughs> I said I was going to say when I raised my hand, they shouldn't listen to you because <laughs> you always say don't listen to me, you know, so I was just making a little little joke there. But OK, so that that argument has its merit when they're trying to pull you into a debate on uh, philosophical debate on moral realism. Right. So, you know me, I'm a moral realist. Um, I'm not going to take that approach towards somebody in uh an argument usually i'll just start talking about more realism i do think for the atheist there is an inconsistency there um that's on a philosophical level but again that's only to be fleshed out in a philosophical level but to say that i, I don't think it's i don't think it's cool i don't think i can meet you where you're at by telling you that you have no right to say or you have no no notion of right and wrong or or to say that you know your opinions aren't valid to me that's a little that's a little too much too soon you know what i mean that that like maybe we can get into this argument on a philosophical level i would take a, di a whole a entirely different approach cuz i don't think that approach itself is very very strong All right you look know? david you and i are would be two of those people at the beach uh because we can agree on a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, th I think that uh, you'd be a great guy to have at a cookout. Uh, and, you know, we could come up with all kinds of moral um, conclusions about things. Like, for instance, let's say that we were camp directors and uh, it was it was a campground. Uh, we could come up with uh, some some rules and laws uh, that uh, for the camp and the kids that are at the camp easily. Uh, and the fact is, yes, all of my rules would be based on uh, subjective ethics, but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't uh, find them reasonable and agree with some of them. In the same way, your rules may, you may have an underlying um, uh, theological grounding, but you're still going to suggest rules that it, I don't care whether you pull them out of the Bible or the uh Bhagavad Gita, the, I, I don't care where you got it from. If it if it's a rule that makes sense, I can agree with that. And so the, the idea that because 
because I think that your foundation for where your rules come from is wrong, therefore you don't have anything useful to say in a moral discussion, that's absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. that's kind of like an argument for another time type deal, you know, like, okay, let's talk about justification for moralism versus moral subjectivism. You know, are you an anti-realist? I mean, we had a whole series on that. And, you know, so I, I mean, that it's a, that that type of conversation, I think, is a conversation for another time that at I, least I, I, I never with agreed with. <clears throat> I never agreed with how Frank Turek always pulls that out of the, that 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 rabbit out of the hat. Right. Please don't. Even please don't say his name again. Do. Just don't don't bring him up. I've had a bad I, day. I don't want to talk. I don't want to think about Frank Turek. Well, I've had a rough week, buddy. So, but uh, <laughs> but but you know, like, yeah, I, I've never agreed with that. You know, in in other words, you know, I'm more of the type of person that I like to meet people where they're at. And I just don't think it's very productive me telling you that you have a or you can't have any contribution to this conversation because, you know, of this, this and this. But yeah, and largely I'm a practicalist um, and that's why I can listen to a Christian or Buddhist uh, or, uh, you know, a flying saucerist. Uh, you know, I, uh, there, there's, you know, an idealist, I can, I can listen to anybody when we're trying to figure out, uh, the best thing to do in a social situation. We're trying to come up with ethical, uh, rules of behavior, uh, because I honestly don't care what your foundation is for your ethical rules. What I care about is, is, are the things that you suggest and do they seem to be, um, uh, beneficial or harmful? Will they uh, actually uh, lead us toward the goal that we're trying to get to? And, you know, you can keep your background to yourself. I don't need to know it. Uh, if I do know it, it's not going to affect how I think about your suggestions. So at the end of the day, you have to negotiate these things on the on their merits. And that's the kind of conversation that I want to see. I want to see us discussing these serious sexual issues on the basis of their merits, not on the basis of someone's underlying uh, philosophical foundations. You know, as you say, it is an appropriate thing to talk about philosophical foundations when that's the when that's the topic. But at the end of the day, when it comes right down to how you're going to vote in your city council meeting, it has nothing to do with your philosophical foundations. So. Um, all right, so those were those were a couple of threads that I wanted to pull from the um, comments this week. Maybe uh, we can queue up some more comments um, this week. All you commenters, and let's see if we can do better. Um, so we have a lot of comments, but we don't have a lot of fruitful discussion on some of the the more uh, serious issues that I uh, that I thought we brought up in the show. So please do that, and let me let me recommend everyone if you have heard the first show. Please go back and listen to the supplemental that uh, uh, I recorded with Dale. David, okay, you just you you we lost you there for a second, or you okay. lost me there. <laughs> it's possible. Um, so yeah. everyone, okay. go back and listen to the supplemental show uh, that we recorded with Dale. Uh, that was a that was a good show, and if you want a little bit more clarification on his position and some of the areas of pushback that I had, I, I limited that in the the regular show we had. By the way, the regular show was one of the shortest shows of the season. It was just over an hour, and the show we recorded with Dale was about that uh, too. So these are very easily consumable shows. Uh, go and go and listen to that and uh, give Dale a thumbs up. I thought I thought he did a good job. All right. Um, mm. 
so yeah, I can't wait uh, to listen to that one. Yeah, it's it's once good. I'm done with yours, I'm gonna go straight to that one. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, and, you, you know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I once I once Dale agreed to do it. I, w- I hurried through <laughs> the rest of the regular show so we could get to it because that's the one I really wanted to do. Yeah, you know, you know, I think like what you said, though, about having good conversations, I think that the whole I think a very good conversation is that conversation of Mary's age. And uh, that's one that I would like to look more into uh, when I get to the discuss boards, when I get a chance. But because, uh, you, you know, I, like you're saying unbiased and, and you're throwing your, your, your sources at us and everything that I'm finding uh, in my searches say that we just don't know she could have been from this age to this age, you know, from, from mid, from mid teens to uh, uh, 20. And, and then, so it, it's very interesting. I would love to see how we could flesh that out a little bit better and, and, and look at different sources on that. Yeah, me so. too. Cause I've, I've seen those too. But that's not the that's not the uh, uh, majority by far. That's a very minority view, and I see those views usually. I'm hearing uh, the exact opposite. I'm hearing the exact opposite from what I'm reading. I'm hearing that the majority is that, and and yours is the minority view. So I'm I'm really interested to see where that goes. Sure, uh, I I'm 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 with you. Let's let's uh let's have that conversation that's a conversation worth having i will say in advance it's not a it's not a thing we can solve because no matter which one of us is right historically i am by the way uh it doesn't matter because neither one of us can say with any authority what age mary was when the angel showed up and what age she was when she uh got pregnant neither one of us can say that and so uh i think I think there is a, a kind of a bias on both sides. Um, those who go for the younger age often say, you see, God's a pedophile, and that, that becomes proof of that. And those who go for an older age uh, often say, no, 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 God was very age appropriate. And besides, age doesn't matter because she was spiritually mature. And that's that's where I think the argument falls apart. I think the Christian actually does it better for themselves if they insist she was older and let that be that. Because the moment you say, well, but she was spiritually mature and she clearly wanted it, then you open the door for all kinds of um, child sexuality where uh, the the girl clearly wanted it. But we would say in those situations, yeah, but she didn't, she wasn't really old enough to consent. And that's, that's would, where the, yeah, well, you know, I that's think where I the would, difficulty I, I of this you. conversation yeah. comes from. I, I think I would, I would still maintain, I wouldn't say maintain maybe just, just some quasi spiritualism to it, but I would, I would probably defend it on the fact that I think she was an adult, an active adult in that age. I mean, she was traveling places uh, that were dangerous by herself and, and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, there's just, and that's pure from from the text that I can gather, you know, um, but that's kind of like I, I think I'd go after that and I probably would actually say she was older uh, based on my research and my inferences to the best explanation. So but that's just me. Sure. All right. Um, so let's talk about uh, some things that we can all agree on. Uh, sex, no matter what the biological age is, no matter when that biological imperative starts 
I think this is one of those situations where uh, nature is a son of a bitch and we should, we should fight it and defeat it <laughs> uh, with all of our mights. Uh, so evolution is uneven and it has evolved our sex drive ahead of our brains and culture, cultural, uh, social evolution is also uneven. And it happens, uh, at different rates for different places. So the culture of the Aborigines people is very different from the culture in Sydney, uh, Australia. Uh, the culture of the people in the Appalach Appalachians is very different from the culture of the people in Nashville, Tennessee. Sorry. Um, so even within uh, close geographical locations, cultural evolution does not flow evenly. And so if you take my thesis seriously, and I'm not sure how seriously I want to take my thesis because I don't necessarily like where it goes. I'm, I'm refining it and I'm trying to find ways around it. But my thesis was if the culture is primitive enough, then the age of sexuality should be lower because Honestly, a person, especially a woman, can be as mature as they are ever going to get in that society at an early age, because all they are going to do in that society is make babies and take care of the household, which is something that they're, you know, the household part, they're trained to do that from the time they're born. Uh, there's there's not a duty that they're going to have at age 25 that they're not ready to do by 13 if the culture is, is simple enough. Um, so even in this day, in our time, there are cultures that are probably that simple. So it's it's really hard to say with any authority where it should land, but I think that there are still problems and issues with sexuality so that even in those cultures that are simple primitive there are reasons to move the age up and there are reasons to take sexuality a little bit more seriously uh i also want to clarify something that i have said i'm not sure if i said it on mic um or or just wrote about it i think that sex is a very casual thing i i don't find sex um, a, a thing that has any great significance or import. Um, it's, it's a biological function. Um, but just because I think it is casual, that doesn't mean that I don't think it's serious. And so I think that anything that's serious has to be taken seriously. And um, so it, let me just to give you an example of that. Driving is casual, it has no great spiritual import. Um, pimply faced 16 year olds can do it. Um, 
I honestly don't think they should do it. That's another thing that I think should be later, but that's that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, driving is casual, but that doesn't mean it's not serious. You have to take it seriously uh, with a certain maturity and, and soberness. Um, swimming is casual, uh, but it's also serious. So there's there are reasons why you need to teach your kids uh, to do it. But when you swim, you're not doing anything particularly spiritual or important. Um, it's, it's a casual end. So I think that's enough examples for you to get where I mean. Uh, I think that sex is casual, but I don't think it's to be taken lightly. So that said, what, here are some of the reasons why I think sex is serious and we should spend time making sure that uh, our kids understand the seriousness of it before we give our blessing and release for them to do it. Uh, so one of the reasons it's serious is because um, careless sex leads to unwanted pregnancy. And uh, Russell, for, for different reasons, both you and I agree, that is a terrible outcome. I'm not even, even going to ask your opinion um, because I know that we agree on that. <laughs> um, that is an outcome that everyone should want to avoid. Um, no one should want to use an abortion as a post-dated check for uh, contraception. Uh, that's that's just a bad thing. So um, this is, I think, the number one most uh, uh, serious thing about sex and one of the uh, number one outcomes to careless sex. Um, this is a problem. And I, I think for whatever reason, neither Christians nor atheists do a good job in educating their children and doing the things that's necessary to uh, prevent unwanted pregnancies. Now, I don't know exactly why that is, because we all know that unwanted pregnancies are a bad thing. Uh, but having having been in the church for a number of years um, and having read all of the statistics and kept up with this particular thing as closely as possible, I can tell you that there are just as many unwanted pregnancies among Christians as non-Christians. In fact, some, some have it even higher. Um, do you have any thoughts on why in 2021, this, this most advanced age, we still have a problem with unwanted pregnancy? Because frankly, I don't have a good answer. I have some bad answers, but I don't I don't have a real thought that I would consider real good on this. Why is that still a problem? Because it seems like the easiest problem in the world to solve. Why does it happen? Are you asking me? I am asking you. I think it happens because I think the sex drive, like I told you earlier, can be dangerous. Um, there are it's addictive um for especially for some it, it does play uh does does do things to your brain is biologically uh it does uh um what is it called it's, uh psych psychologists say that it, it can even change some of the mental uh um, composition of your mind so or your brain um so i mean there are things there that you know why are we having a, trouble with it with uh 
uh, Christians uh, because they have the same biology as non-Christians. So, I mean, we're all, we, we all, I don't think it's a simple thing to, to settle either. Um, I'm prime example of that I did have a kid out of wedlock and I did have a high sex drive when I was younger. And I do know the, 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 the consequences of having a kid in my twenties and my early twenties. Uh, now it was for me, the biggest blessing of my life, obviously, because I love my kid and I raised my kid by myself, um, for seven years. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's more of a problem because of the, everything that comes with it, you know, there's just so much that comes with it. <clears throat> so I, I don't really know how to put it into words, if you know what I'm saying. Look, the, the only reason that I didn't have a kid, um, when, uh, you know, outside of marriage is because I was lucky. It, it wasn't because I was smart. It, <laughs> I can, luck I can does tell you that play right a now. lot into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, luck does play a lot into it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think there's a big problem with it just because of that drive. It, it is a drive. It is a biological uh, drawing that 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 we have, and that's why I think it needs to be civilized. You know, can, it, can we I, need to to watch out for the pitfalls that could drag us into that and maybe starting at an early age saying, Hey kids, you know, uh, stay away from that BNS a little bit longer. You know, I, I think I would agree with you there. Well, can I, can I, um, share with you why I think, uh, as even as a Christian and I was, I was a child preacher, so I wasn't just a Christian. I was, um, I was in it. Um, I didn't. Uh, well, okay. I can only speak for myself. Um, I grew up learning that contraceptives were bad. Uh, and that, you know, if you, if you even had a condom that you were, you were sinning because that means that you were planning to have sex that that you didn't want to lead to procreation which is probably meaning that you were had planning to have sex that was not authorized by god in some way and so we didn't for instance in any church that i uh was in during that age uh we didn't make condoms available certainly not and we didn't um and we didn't make it emotionally available either we didn't we told or we preached against um uh institutions uh organizations uh that provided free condoms for people we were we were very much against that so it's not like condoms weren't available but we had a, a reason for uh, a spiritual reason for for staying away from them and i think that anyone who any young person who was in any church that i attended they would have been ashamed to go to the store and get condoms uh, and check out. They wouldn't have been able to do it. They couldn't have gotten their parents to do it. They would have had to get some uh, other friend who had nothing to lose reputationally to do it. So the teaching on- um, Atheist buddy, right? <laughs> yeah, an atheist buddy, yeah. I mean, the, the teachings on reproductive issues were just very limited 
and did not provide the option uh, that humans are going to human and that uh, 16 year olds are going to screw. And it we're just kind of in denial of that. And uh, we taught, well, it, it's sin if you do, and you're going to have to answer to God if you do. And so, you know, every few weeks, some elder's daughter would pop out another baby. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it does happen. I, I don't know what the answer is. For the simple fact on that is that no matter what we try to educate people with, this sex drive is that powerful. And I just think we can do our best. I think the religious community does their best. I think some go overboard and some don't do their best. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think some fail, just like I think the secular world fails at it, too. You know, but and I think you said this earlier that that we have failed at it in some way, shape or form. You know, yeah, I, I think there's there's Both I think sides. there's yeah, I, I think there's there's a. uh a way to go about it. And I think some people, and I think some families, and I think some um, um, organizations and stuff have done it right. That's not on a wide scale, obviously, but there are that do, and there's are there's ones that don't. So I'm kind of so, in the, the mixed bag for me. Would you, would you join me then in, um, in, in this pronouncement? We have not rehearsed this in advance. Would you join me? in calling for all churches to provide free condoms for their 16 year olds. Can, no, can we, I wouldn't can we say do that's that? the route either because I think that route has failed too. Would you, would you like to start <laughs> yeah, just, an organization with me? I, I saw this, I saw this video, right? I just saw this video. It was a cute little TikTok video where uh, the girl is looking and she sees this really cute baby and he laughs like very cute and, Next thing you know, you see her feet run into the to her husband's desk. She pulls out the condom and she's poking holes in it. I just didn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, there, there's this crazy thing, you know, that that I think that like you if you promote it one way, it fails. And if you try to isolate it in another way, it fails. So what is the successful route for education? I think we have seen in certain areas where that is. I just think there's a problem because somebody always thinks they can either A, do it better and end up failing, or B, they're like, well, I don't want to touch this, and then they fail too. So, I mean, there's just there, – it, a lot of it comes down to, you know, what proactive uh, uh, route are you going to take to civilize this? Yeah, I think the, I think the thing for me that's – so discouraging is that I can't think of a single successful model, um, a successful exemplar. So what is the, what is the institution that can, you know, present the fact that yes, because of our method, um, which, which started, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, unwanted pregnancies are down by 50%. You know, is, is there anyone who can tout a statistic like that? Um, I, I don't know of it if there is. If uh, if you know of it, uh, commenters, skeptics and seekers, dot squarespace.com. Uh, go ahead and uh, jump in and discuss there, D-I-S-Q-U-S, and uh, drop a link. Let me know. Um, I don't I don't know of either side that can 
say that they've covered themselves in glory. Uh, I think we failed equally and we have to do more. And I think that what has been unproductive is Christians and atheists fighting over this issue as if one of them has a better idea. Um, and the fact is we need to, we need to work cooperatively because it's a joint issue that's killing us both. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, disease is another one of those, uh, things that happens with sexuality. uh, Again, it's one of those things that's highly preventable (laughs) and yet, um, we still have it. Now I do think that we've probably done better, uh, with reduction of sexually transmitted diseases than we have the, uh, with unwanted pregnancies for whatever reason, but, um, it seems like we could do better there. Uh, and I don't know if this is a matter of education or of um, providing more um, actual tools, um, uh, making prophylactics, uh, uh, protection available, you know, because, for instance, if a, if a girl, a woman is taking birth control, that will effectively prevent her from getting pregnant the vast majority of the time, but it won't prevent disease. So I, I'm not sure if um, if this message is getting out, <laughs> you know, um, we we need to find some better way of messaging that makes that work. And, and it could be, um, sadly, and I'm just going to put this on the table, it could be that as as a human animal, we can never do better. It could be that our sex drive is so strong and our brains are so undeveloped at that age that that we are always going to have this result. Well, it even affects people when their minds are developed. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the sex drive, man. I don't know. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so there, there are also things like uh, bodily autonomy. Andrew wanted to, me to make sure that I talked about this. This is, this is another one that can kind of fall down badly uh, along the lines of Christian and atheists. Uh, because atheists tend to be very high on bodily autonomy, which is to say that uh, when it comes to sexuality, uh, and we're talking about women here mostly, okay, so if I say the woman, I really mean the man and the woman, but practically we're really talking about the, the woman here who suffers from it the most. The woman can say no in any situation. There's no such thing as um, a woman being obligated to perform any sex act that she doesn't want to with whomever. And this includes uh, a spouse. So a man and a woman, they get married. Maybe they think there's some going to be some kind of sexual chemistry, but because they didn't have sex uh, in advance, they have no idea whether they're sexually compatible or not. They find out horribly that they are not sexually compatible. Maybe they try, maybe uh, some effort is made, but the uh, fact of the matter is she is repulsed by this human being and does not want him to ever touch her again. Um, that's unfortunate. I would say you probably should have tried that out for you, um, said I do. And maybe this is a good reason for you to go back to a judge and say, I don't. Um, but the fact of the matter is whatever the situation, a woman never is under obligation to perform or allow sex acts to be performed on her that she does not won't. Uh, Now, 
this is a this is a newish idea in society believe it or not this is this is not in this is not ancient wisdom this flies in the face of ancient wisdom in the united states of america we didn't get all 50 states uh signing off on uh marital rape laws until the mid to late 90s 90s 1990s before then there were still states um that uh were okay with the idea of marital rape because the the wife in a marriage did not have sexual agency that's who we are as a people that's how young this idea is that a woman has sexual autonomy uh her bodily autonomy when it comes to sex even in marriage now what is what does the bible tell us on that well the bible tells us that your body is not your own this is a problem. <laughs> this is a major problem. It also says that uh, you cannot um, uh, withhold yourself from your spouse, except for very rare and limited times when you're when you're doing something, especially spiritual. It doesn't give um, a lot of details on that, but that's that's kind of what it gives us. Other than that, the implication is, outside of those times, you have to say yes because your body isn't your own. Now, this is a problem. This is a real problem. And uh, it and it extends beyond marriage. Because if if uh, Christians, for instance, are teaching their daughters about their place in marriage and the, the idea that they are going to have to submit uh, to the sexual beast that they marry, uh, this becomes a part of their mindset. And so they can very easily uh become prey to a sexual predator uh and they might very easily think that uh they still have to submit that they have this notion in their mind that they their body is not their own and they and they uh, even in good marriages uh a, a woman uh or, or a man might do something sexually that they find um distasteful, but they feel like they have to. Uh, and so this is this is problematic uh, for me. And I think that this is part of the sexual education that needs to be taught to kids early because, you know, 16 year old boys, 17 year old boys, they are predators. Um, <laughs> they are they are fucking predators. And everybody who has been 16 knows it. Um, I was, uh, I was talking to Andrew on this, uh, the other day, all of the, the movies from the eighties, uh, the, the teen movies, um, they wouldn't fly today. Uh, they were very rapey <laughs> and, uh, uh, very predatory. That's why Jason came and killed them though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. So <laughs> that actually came up. Um, so, um, um yeah, so th- I, I would I, I, I would disagree you. with you. Yeah, I, I'll disagree with you on uh, on the views of marriage and stuff like that, and what Christians teach and so forth. I can understand and agree with you when you're attacking a certain fundamentalism, okay? But when you're looking at the teachings themselves, which I and this is just my opinion, David. I think you have that pessimistic view on it all. But no, like, it's just, that's I how look I was at talking. the posit- 
that, and that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine. And and I would come out with you, and I would probably stand in solidarity with you on some certain things that are fundamentalist that have hurt people. I have that's one of the main things of my ministry has always been to combat a certain fundamentalism because I suffered under it too, right? So as far as the biblical teaching, as far as I can see it, when I look into it myself, okay, our bodies aren't our own, okay? I don't look at it as like, it's mine and yours type thing. I look at it as two flesh become one, like people become one. We become a unit. We become a family unit that is there for each other. And I think it's a very beautiful thing. You know, because we're sharing our lives together. So, like, I would take something like the Corinthians passage where uh, I think it's Corinthians 8, where it says, uh, uh, wives, do not deny your husbands this. And I think that it's more of a, a, a like, hey, if you do deny it, the consequence is probably going to lead to divorce because no man, from what I can from what I can gather, will live in a sexless, sexless marriage. So it will cause that 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 oneness, that that bondness, that love that you have each other, it will either end in betrayal, it will end with with bad things happening, families broken up, uh, and you know what happens with uh, broken families. You know, a lot of bad things come out of a broken family uh, a lot of the time. Now, as far as abuse and somebody finding somebody else, we're not looking at every single aspect. We're looking. I'm looking at like you know the. Uh, the initial causes that that can uh, be a problem when a family breaks, you know, um, I think, you know, the Bible is really trying to say, hey, this is how you can have a happy marriage. But it's not saying that, OK, your wife has to do this. She has to do that. No, it should be something that you mutually do together. And that's why I think the Ephesian passages talks about you know when the wife submits to the husband but the husband's supposed to lay down his life for her i think it's a mutual uh thing and it's not meant to be taken in one fundamentalist way and uh you know i i guess acted upon in a, in a fundamentalist way where it's like oh no you have to do this you better get up there and make me my sandwich woman no no that's <laughs> you know, that's just stupid right uh i, I think it's 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 a co-op it's a, a mutually cooperative, you know, and I think people mess up a lot of these teachings. I don't think it's the teachings themselves that are bad necessarily, but it's the the fact that people take things to such a fundamentalist extreme. And that's where I would stand with you in the end of the day. Okay. So I it just, even though <clears throat> I, I do want to move on, I, <clears throat> the way you described it there. I, I still find problematic. So you talked about, uh, you know, what some of the bad things that happen if a woman says no. And I agree that those are things that would happen. Uh, it would lead to a divorce, but you've got to remember, I don't have a problem with divorce. It should lead to divorce. That's a good divorce. It should happen. Um, so the the thing that you didn't mention, though, as you were talking about that, is the psychological trauma it causes the woman so it 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 puts this pressure on the woman that if you don't do uh your sexual part and play your role then it's going to destroy marriage it's going to destroy society it's going to you know it's all of this is on you in the oh, fact no no, that, no 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 david that's not what i meant 
Okay, I, 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 I understand yeah. that, and I and I want to I want to give you a chance to defend that. But I'm just saying, anyone who's hearing that, I would say that another one of the consequences um, is the damage to the woman. So, what are the consequences if she does submit and has sex that she doesn't want? I I submit that that consequence is worse than the other consequences you mentioned, and that the better thing to do for society and those those two people would be to divorce and especially do it before you have kids. No, I would, um, I would definitely, I would definitely disagree with that. I just say, don't get married. If that's not what you're, you're, you're planning to do. I think there's, there are certain ideas when you get into a relationship that like, Hey, I'm in a relationship. There has to be some sort of uh, cooperation needed because like you said, you know, <clears throat> the woman has psychological effects on her, if it's if it's put just on her, absolutely, absolutely, there's psychological effects. But there's psychological effects on both sides if both parties aren't educated when they get in. Obviously, there's a psychological effect when a woman says no to a man, and is always saying no to a man. You know, in certain situations, like the right. three causes it, of divorce are communication, right, sex, and money. You right. know, it, look, like it's it's devastating to a man yeah. to it's, but be it's also rejected. In that way, yeah. so I, I just want to—I just want to say I recognize that. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, so, that's yeah, and I and I think you do. I think I think we're we're agreeing on the same thing. We're just kind of kind of fleshing it out more, you know. Right. Well, and when I you say that, you don't get married, I'm with yeah, you yeah, because yeah. I'm also opposed to marriage. But if you're going to get married, you need to understand the terms. So I would just add to that in the place where I think that we we might have disagreement, but you know, who knows? Is but I think marriage is you, natural, you, a natural thing, David. That, I, that's I, fine, I really but do. it but every marriage has terms, right? And so you need to know the terms up front for whatever type of marriage you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Now that and I let's would say agree, that, yes. So let's say both parties agree on the terms, but in the marriage, uh, one of the parties realizes, hey, that was a bad idea. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think that was such such a good deal. After all, I would like to get out. I, as as hard as it is, a person still has the right and freedom to change their mind. And if if you're saying, well, no, that person is trapped, then then I that's that's problematic. And you're saying, well, they lost their bodily autonomy, they signed it away, and I don't believe there is ever a situation where a person loses their bodily oh, autonomy and signs it away. I and I don't think the Bible says that they do lose their bodily autonomy and, and sign it away in a, in, a, in a degree. That's why in Yibam, you could also uh, commit Hazelabah, you know? So I think that... that uh, Would you please if, tell um, me what that is so that I can know if I want to commit it today right. or not? <laughs> all right. So, it, so, it sounds promising. Remember, remember when you guys were talking about the... Hey, hey sweetie, uh, would you like to commit some Hazelabah? I'm just practicing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that that another one. No, because she'll she'll take your sandal and slap your face with it, right? Oh, and spit okay. at you. No, <laughs> that's not, not that. <laughs> But no, uh, uh, yibam is that whole idea of if a brother lives in the same under the same roof, and his brother dies, and he he's obligated to fulfill the. Uh, uh, the line of his brother, right? Right. So he can either do one of two things. He can do yibam, which would be fulfilling that 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 role of marrying her, or he could uh, commit hazlaba, 
which is saying, no, I don't want that. And uh, if both of them agree on it, then they go their separate ways and she's allowed to remarry and do whatever she wants, right? If she wants the has or she wants the Yabam and he doesn't, then she basically gets to spit at him and 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 smack him in the face and say, You're not good anymore, you know. Um, <clears throat> so there you do have the option, and I think that everybody has the option, okay, to leave a, a, a relationship, and this is where I was kind of going with that. Uh, mm -hmm. is that we have the ability to do what we want, we have the choice. Um, so in essence, I've, I've never heard that talk. Uh, in a church yeah, so, so what yeah so what we're doing is is we are actually committing to something because of the consequence of what it produces like you know we have kids and we do this and if we didn't like something in that contract well what's the best way to remedy that i think that that every other avenue should be should be looked at before divorce is considered like okay so that was maybe a bad idea well let we have a family here. We started a whole new branch of human beings. You know, yeah, what you I mean? did, you did it own... when you were 16. You, uh, you know, yes, you're not even like, old enough to sign a contract. That, but, but Dave, we'd already agreed on that, 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 you know, we should understand, we should be mature enough to understand the terms we're getting into. This you know? is, Otherwise right, we don't right. get married. So, I'm not trying so, to, I'm not relitigating it. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. this is, this is part of why I'm so down on marriage and why I would push the age of marriage higher not lower um i would i would do i would do it too i i would definitely agree with you, you know, because, I, I've, uh, I've always in the meantime my, my dad on I, this I, he said don't get married until after you're 25. <laughs> yeah no so, i look i i think that more people should feel free to commit haslaba uh so commit yeah. haslaba um that's how you say it. If I pronounced it wrong, though, well, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I have no so. idea. It's the first time I've heard the word. I'm just, uh, I'm just going with it, man. Um, okay, look, there's, there's some, um, there's, there's, I guess, one other uh, place I want to go with this. One of the, um, it, along the same lines of bodily autonomy, uh, we have the problem of men being bigger, women being smaller, uh, and sex being such a crazy drive that men uh are predators and one of the you know we are not just predators and uh you know hunting animals we're predators we're predators and hunting women uh we are hunters and sometimes when the drive is too strong and when our minds are too small uh, that hunt becomes something considerably more forceful and we end up with situations where women uh either say no but can't make it stick or feel like they're in a situation where they can't say no uh and either way it's bad and the only way to stop this sort of thing a you've got to either raise boys in such a way that they are not predators which is hard to do because uh, physical and social evolution has made us what we are but this again uh, is something where i say uh kick evolution in the nuts we've got to we've got to defeat it 
and one of the things that we can do to help defeat it has to do with how we raise boys in this society. And um, that, so that has to, that has to change. Um, I'm not a parent. You are a parent. There are a lot of parents out in the audience, but um, I, I think there shouldn't be a parent that doesn't agree with that. However, you know, there might be some arguments on what we can change. I'm not going to offer any suggestions here. It's not that I don't have any thoughts on it. I know how I was raised, for instance, and I could uh, can talk about some ways that I could have been raised differently to that may have helped. But that's a discussion I hope to see in the uh, comments, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. The other thing that we can do is educate our girls earlier. They need to be educated. they are sexually mature at about 13 years old. We should start talking to them honestly about sex and their bodies, probably at around 12. Uh, we should start having serious conversations about this activity because they're going to start this activity, uh, you know, if you're a secularist, uh, probably around 16. You've got a limited amount of time to prepare your child for this activity that they are going to start. And one one of the main things you need to do is explain the male and and what they're interested in. They are always interested in sex. don't, Don't listen to them when they say they're not, they are. That's what we're interested in. Yes, it's McDonald's today. It's behind McDonald's tomorrow. Uh, it's, we're just, that's the long play. We're always playing for it. Um, and you need to know how to defend yourself uh, when things get violent. You need to know how to not put yourself in positions uh, where you are vulnerable. Um, and this education has to uh, happen early. It has to be universal. It should probably uh, be done in schools. Definitely needs to be uh continued uh, teaching at home. And we know how to do this as, uh, as parents. Parents, you have kids and you, uh, they get their driver's license at 16. They didn't start learning how to drive when they were 16. You started teaching them to drive a long time ago. Uh, we know how to do it. We know what long-term training looks like at a young age. We just need to apply it to sexuality. And we're really bad at that. All of us are really bad at that. And I don't actually care why we're bad at it, but we need to fix it. Uh, The fix starts with uh, people like Russell. It starts with um, people like Andrew. Uh, It starts with uh, Brian with a Y. Uh, It starts uh, with you guys. Uh, I, I can preach it, but you know, my, my word on this is about as useful uh, as a Catholic priest. Uh, don't listen to those guys when it comes to raising your kids, okay? Um, you guys need to take the lead on this and, uh, and, and run with the ball. Uh, and I don't care whether you're Christian or atheist, you have a common problem and you have to protect your girls. And uh, A, you do that by raising your boys better not like me and um and by actively uh instructing and training your girls so that's all i have to say uh on that piece and in fact i'm happy to close my thoughts 
um, on that. I suppose we can't get out of this series without saying a few words on uh, non-binary LGBTQ. So we'll save uh, the last five minutes for that. But uh, do you want to comment on uh, that last bit, uh, Russell? I think you are right. You know, I mean, the buck has to stop with the parents and, and, you know, raising them correctly. Uh, Get out of your comfort zones and do what's right. Um, I have two boys and two girls. Uh, Two of my my oldest, they are at that age, you know, and it's a constant uh, teaching and it's something you have to be consistent with. And you don't get a report card on it. So you never know how good you actually did until they're living out what you have taught them. And when you see that, and usually it's in hindsight, guys, it's it's in a time where you're going to step back and look in, be like, yeah, or they're going to say something to you that you're like, oh, yeah, good job. You know, Um, my daughter's one of them where she will repeat something back to me saying, hey. Uh, one of the methods that I taught her, and I, I know this is an old fashioned thing, was uh, to have her boyfriends, if she has going to have a boyfriend, have him meet me. You know, and it wasn't because I'm lord over her. It was because, you know what, I can see the red flags and I can see if this boy is a predator. Why? Because I was a 17 year old boy or a 15 year old boy at one time, too. And like David said, the long game is behind the McDonald's. <laughs> you know, that is the long game. And if I can see a boy that has been raised and I, I can see some of the, the, the white flags that are saying, hey, this guy's a good guy and, and he, he does have your best interest in mind, you know. Um, but usually at this age, I tell her it's it's all going to be a no. No, I'm just joking. No, that would make her go my back. However, you know, there's only so much you can do. But you can do something. So continue that. Um, well, a, another thing was, uh, um, a promise ring that I gave my daughter to say, you know what, you know, I will always look out for you in this way, you know? So if you trust me, cause the only way for relationships to work is if you garner trust. So if there's trust in that aspect, then it, it makes for a much better productive relationship where your daughter can come to you and say, this is my concerns. This is what I'm worried about, or I'm infatuated and I can't see straight. Help me out. You know, um, these are the type of things that you want in your relationship from what I have gathered and what, from what I've experienced. Um, so yeah, work and be consistent. Sometimes you're not going to be, don't beat yourself up, get back into the consistency. And maybe we can formulate and do better for our society at large. Yeah, the only I think the only thing that I would add to that um, is, uh, once again, no matter whether you're Christian or skeptic, uh, your kids need a safe place to fall uh, because they're kids and they will fall. Uh, Don't don't think for a moment that your kid's not the kind of kid that would do that, whatever that is. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter. Oh, my kid wouldn't do that. I really hate it when parents say that. Your kid would do that. The kid who did that yesterday was just like your kid. Uh, and, and they had a parent who said, my kid wouldn't do that. Stop it. Um, get get real <laughs> about that. And also uh, be, a, be a safe place for your kids to go to uh, so that they don't have to feel like they've got to hide mistakes uh, that they make. Um, 
So uh, five minutes, can we keep it to five minutes, 10 minutes? Um, homosexuality, uh, let's, just, let's just do that. I, I don't even wanna talk about gender fluidity uh, without an expert. Uh, we all know uh, someone who's homosexual by now. I don't, it, I, it's hard for me to imagine that there's a person over 10 who doesn't know someone who's uh, homosexual. Um, I went from um, a religious upbringing of thinking that it's just it's just a sin and people who do it uh, know better and they're calling upon uh, uh, heaven's fire to um, fall upon them. And, um, you know, if if there's any emotion other than condemnation that you should have for these people, it should probably be pity because they are so lost uh, in in their sin that they don't they don't even know that they're wrong anymore. Uh, just look at them. Look at what they're doing. Any any regular human being would know that that's wrong, but they aren't. That's how that's how far from a normal human being they are. Um, this is this is kind of the the presentation of it. Now I know that churches, some churches, try to be a little bit more sensitive than that today, but not a lot of them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, be careful what church you wander into if you happen to be gay or lesbian. But that's that's the messaging from a significant portion of the society uh, that we live in in the United States. I know it's going to be different in other parts of the world. Uh, that said, uh, fairly recently, the, the numbers have turned a little bit so that uh, the majority of Christians actually don't have a problem with homosexuality anymore. Uh, now, it's in the 50s, uh, like 55, 57%, some, something like that. Uh, it's still uh, pretty close to the margin of error. Uh, so we're, we're still talking about half. But it's a, it's a huge debate. And people like me and David Russell can sit from very comfortable perches and debate it. Why? I'm not gay. Uh, David's not gay. If he is, I don't want to know it. Don't care. Um, unless he wants to talk about it, in which case that's his, his revelation to talk about, but I have no, I have no curiosity about it. Um, but if you are gay or lesbian, you're not in a comfortable perch to debate it because what's being debated is your humanity and how you can move freely in this society. Uh, that's what's being debated. It's, it's the details of every moment of your life. That's, that's what we're hotly debating. You are a chess piece on a board. In fact, the game isn't even as complex as checker, uh, chess. It's more like checkers. You're just a piece on the board. Uh, and that can be very hard on a person. Um, you know, there's no wonder why um you know there are a lot of gay relationships that don't work out the the stresses that are on that relationship are so much greater than the stresses even that are on mine and i can tell you there are a lot of stresses on mine uh that come from society it's very hard um to maintain a relationship when there's so much social pressure against you 
so I would I would just say on this issue of uh, gay and lesbian sexuality that those of us who debate it need to remember what we're debating. Uh, it's it's a minor issue for us that we can argue about and then walk away and have a sandwich. But it will shake the core of the life of someone who's living that struggle. Uh, and so my my plea here is not that we don't debate it, although I, I look forward to a time when society grows up enough so that we don't have to debate the basic humanity of another person based on their sexuality. But when we do debate it, let's just remember what's at stake with every word that comes out of our mouth. Yeah, you know, David, I, I would uh, agree, and I would have an address to my own Christians on this, is that um, you can disagree with someone's lifestyle. You can debate it. You can say anything you want, but the minute, the minute you cross over to begin looking at them as, as somehow not human or somehow unworthy of God's love or somehow condemning them, just remember who Jesus sat with. He sat with tax collectors. Christ had this, this unique ability to not just look at people, but look through them. We can be Christians in a free society and disagree with other people, no matter on anything. And it could be anything. There's some things that, yes, we discriminate against behaviors that cause social harm and, and are abhor abhorrent, you know, obviously. But there are certain things that we can do and disagree without being disagreeable. I've always tried to live by that moniker. I've always tried to look at it <clears throat> and show love to anybody and meet them where they're at because that's what i that's my uh idea of what christ would do you know and i would like to reflect him as much as i can um obviously you know that david so it's no shock or surprise that i want to be like christ in the best way i can but it also i think there's a real problem for christians if they do start living and condemning and not trying to reach out and to talk and to build relationships and all, all that stuff. Otherwise, I, I don't see how you can fulfill any type of the great commission if you're just walking around trying to make converts. I don't think that's what it's that's what you're supposed to be doing. I think when it says make discipleships, it's talking about living with people, getting to know people, building relationships with people, uh, showing them love, uh, disagreeing with them when I mean, all families disagree. You know, all communities, you're going to have people that disagree with you. The minute you start treating them as non-human and you try to exact some superiority over them is when you've left the Bible, you've left the Christian uh, notion of humanity on the table and forgot that they're made in the image of God and are being more human to them, actually human as far as like uh, our bad nature. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh once you've left the Bible behind at that point. So that's what I would say to that. <clears throat> so. Thank you. Um, next week, if we're lucky, uh, Val, 
will be here with Dale and myself, and uh, we will be arguing three sides of uh, free will, uh, Val with compatibilism, myself with um, a much worse position uh, than I, <laughs> I happen to hold, uh, which is determinism. And uh, I think Dale will actually be um, uh, doing some work to, to, to steel man the deterministic position too, but uh, Dale is a libertarian. And so these are, these are three different aspects of uh, free will. Uh, Russell will just make sure that uh, it stays under five hours. Oh, <laughs> it's going to go a while, though. It is going to go I mean, a there's while. No way, gonna... There's no way you're going to be able to get around it. It's going to be a the long way, show, I will be folks. Supporting Dale as the moderator, so I can't be unbiased here. I don't even care if you're unbiased. I um, <laughs> no well, one. I'll do has, my best. No one has a position that I agree with, even me. <laughs> so, um, I I am a determinist not because I like the position. I would love to be talked out of it. So I'm playing to lose. <laughs> so uh, I'll be listening to uh, all of it as much as I'll be participating. But I, I honestly don't like any of the positions of free will. Free will is a very hard thing to talk about. It's like trying to talk about the nature of time. Uh, physicists have been debating it for a long time. We, we cannot agree. And I assure you, there will be some talk about the nature of time next week if you enjoy those discussions. That's going to come up. It'll come up from me if it doesn't come up from anyone else. And I know it'll come up from everyone else. So um, that will be interesting. And we'll close out with uh, Satan, God of this world. Uh, that'll be a rough one, but fun. It'll be a one to end on. Who knows? It may be the end of skeptics and seekers. <laughs> so you don't want to miss it. <laughs> I don't mean just for this season. It could be the end. Uh, when you bring finale, up Satan, series finale. <laughs> when you bring up Satan, anything can happen. Um, so with that, um, I think this was um, unexpectedly one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had all season. Um, so I appreciate you um, joining me, Russell, and I look forward to the mayhem that will come to the board. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>